right, today on the Crash Culture Podcast show, it's a special edition in honor of Juneteenth. Let me say this, that uh, little facts to run down right quick. June 19th, 1865, Major General Gordon Granger led, led troops, Union troops, into Gavison, Texas, whatever the fuck. But anyways, let me say this. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed in January 1st, 1863 by Abraham Lincoln into law. Okay, and in nearly two and a half years after that, it took them to actually enforce the law in all of the states and colonies that were underneath America's banner. Why that is, why you may ask, because America had little to no power really in the South due to uh, depleted Union, Union soldiers and... Um, the Confederate Army had just surrendered in 65 completely. Robert E. General Robert E. Lee, uh, the Confederate general, surrendered eight, April 1865. So that was like the day he finally said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'll kick my ass. I'm on the ropes. And you know what? Whatnot. I surrender. So at that date, the war was over and it still took him a little while to completely free the rest of the slaves. But that begs the question of we the black people are we actually free and what does Juneteenth actually mean for us outside of us remembering the day that we were actually fully free because remember we had still after that we had segregation uh, so we still was fighting wars with the civil rights movement we still had uh, uh, what was it apartheid we had uh, mandatory minimums. We had redlining. We had so many things after slavery, and some of these things po- over policing in black neighborhoods, police brutality, uh, and um, the banks not wanting to give loans to black people for whatever reason. You know, some of the, a lot of these things that have happened in the past to disenfranchise and oppress black people still go on today. All right. And we're going to play a little recording from Mitch McConnell on how he feels about America trying to make amends for these social atrocities. Yeah, I, I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. Uh, we've you know, tried to deal with our original sin of slavery by fighting a civil war, by passing uh, landmark civil rights legislation. Uh, we've elected an African-American president. I, I think we're always a work in progress in this country, uh, but n- no one currently alive was responsible for that. And I don't think we should be uh, trying to figure out uh, how to compensate for it. First of all, it'd be pretty hard to figure out who to compensate. We've had waves of immigrants as well who've come to the country and experienced dramatic uh, uh, discrimination of one kind or another. So, no, I don't think reparations are a good idea. Ooh, Mitch McConnell. Ooh. Fucking turtleneck ass 
motherfucker. Alright? Look. Man, I, I'm so mad at this dude. I can't even gather my thoughts together to even finish the show. Really. At what he said. You know, it's so disrespectful to even say like, hey, we gave you a black president. It's almost like you want to say we gave you a nigga president. We're, we're not being, uh, we're not segregating you from using the same bathrooms that we're using anymore. You know what I'm saying? We fought a war for you guys to help get out of those chains. Get over it. You know, like, and that's a lot of Caucasian people that feel that way. There are a lot of Caucasian people that don't feel that way, of course. You know, like I said, but what's understood and got to be explained, but we could say that the great majority of Caucasians in America and all around the world feel that way that black people should just get over slavery when we're still suffering from the effects of that very social atrocity like this is still beyond wrong you know what I'm saying we shouldn't we shouldn't as black people count or depend on the government understanding that past history of things they have done to us we shouldn't really have to count on them but I mean you you pay 9-11 victims of 9-11's their family members you paid them out Uh, Jewish people for the Holocaust which didn't take place in America America had nothing to do with it as a matter of fact America helped uh, in that Holocaust they paid reparations to the Jewish families you know, I, and if you don't believe me, you can look that up. The Native Americans, of course, reparations was paid to them. Uh, I mean, African Americans was promised 40 acres and a mule. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, all we want the government to do is make good on that promise. Give us an economic base to advance ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're expecting us to really... And I mean, absolutely every black people, because, you know, some of us get lucky. Some of us, like I say in my uh, previous podcast, it's a lot about opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Everything's about opportunity and what you do with the opportunity once it's given to you. All right. But a lot of black people fall victim to the culture, you know, of growing up in the ghetto, of having to overcome all of these historical uh, historic obstacles that the system has put in front of them okay and a lot of black people have fallen victim to these obstacles you feel me when in reality if we understood that alone that systematically there there were obstacles put in place we're not gonna say there were walls because we broke through those walls there were obstacles put in place to make life hard for us even after slavery so if you understand that if you're a logical thinking human being you understand that i don't want to hear shit about oh we should just get over slavery and we shouldn't receive any reparations because everybody else does all right that's the fact of the matter you know people can come to this country from other countries and not their family not had to endure in this country but they can benefit from other black American families enduring. You see what I'm saying? Like a lot of people come over here, 
get their citizenship where their, their family has money in whatever respective country they're from, you know, like, or they can take their money back to whatever's respective country they're from that they made in America. And usually that's what a lot of people do. A lot of immigrants take their money back to their countries from this country. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, this is supposed to be, you know, that's supposed to be the American dream for everybody to come over here and create a better life over here. But what happens is a lot of immigrants from Russia, from uh, Haiti, from Jamaica, from uh, where else? Where else in the world? Indonesia, you know, China. They take their money back home to their country where they can live like a king. And they understand that because the American dollar is more powerful in their country than it is in actual America. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just really fucked up that for, for Mitch to say something like that. But I'm not really surprised. I'm not really surprised at anything the Republicans have done up until this point. They're going to try and say that they're the party of Lincoln and this, that, and the third. The values will switch. And even then, even with the values being switched back then, where the Republican Party was more for black people and whatnot, Lincoln also said if he could save the Union without freeing a single slave, he would do it. And he had slaves. So what the fuck are you talking about? Democrats and Republicans have been racist. You know what I'm saying? This this all this politics is all bullshit. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, it's about the policies and the laws that you are passing that let me know that it's all bullshit and smoke and mirrors and it takes forever for anything to happen because reparations should have happened when the Jewish uh, community got reparations for the Holocaust that did not take place in America. We had a, a black American Holocaust over here and we haven't got money for this. You know what I'm saying? The Native Americans, they're building a guitar, a guitar hotel. And you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's beautiful. And all the more power to the native aborigines for them benefiting from the land that they claim from the start. You know what I'm saying? I have no gripes with anybody that's benefiting from a corrupt government that has done a disservice to a community of people. But black Americans, we have not benefited. And we have done have we have been done the most disservice from this government, this particular government. All of this bullshit talk about we don't know how we're going to find uh, the descendants of the slaves and blah, blah, blah. Boy, I go on Ancestry.com. I'm building my family tree on Ancestry.com. It can't be that damn hard if I can figure out or, you know, back to the 1800s, who was my great, great, great grandmother and great, great, great grandfather. You could figure out who got off the slave ship and who was working on these plantations. Stop giving me this bullshit, America. Because this is Republicans and Democrats combined. Unless I hear everybody on the Democratic side say, yeah, we are all for it. I mean, every last single one. But they tell me that they're complicit with what Republicans are saying. And at the end of the day, a politician is a politician. You know what I'm saying? But um, on the other hand, let me give Corey, Bro Corey Brooker or Broker or whatever his name is. Let me give that guy props. He's running for uh, as a presidential nominee. I wasn't really high on him, you know, because of other things that's going on with him and whatnot. You know, um, he reminds me of the Democratic uh, governor candidate 
gubernational governor candidate. Um, I forget his name for a second. Forgive me if I forget his name, but he's from from FAMU Mayor at Tallahassee, Andrew Gilliam. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Andrew Gilliam. You know, Andrew Gilliam talked the talk, he walked the walk. You know what I'm saying? But um, he kind of didn't get a little bit slick enough with him. You know, he had to say more witty stuff. You feel me? I don't know. It's kind of like when Barack was running for president. It was like at these town hall meetings, whenever McCain or Romney said something crazy or slick to him, he would say something slick to them. And he was running the race. He made sure he kept the focus on the race with the person who he was running. You know what I'm saying? It didn't help Andrew Gilliam that uh, Donald Trump was coming down here trying to rain on his parade and saying whatever he can say about him every moment he can so he kind of had this, the cards stacked against him but um yeah Corey Brooker reminds me of him but uh I like what he said I'm gonna play a little bit of what Corey Brooker has said yesterday uh, hundreds of yards from where I live uh there were seven black men shot and this is an everyday occurrence in America I have uh, the, the privilege of having leaders in my community who over the decades have given me strength. One of them was a woman and lived on the fifth floor of the projects, our tenant president in some buildings in which I lived, whose son was murdered as well in our community. And she taught me that hope is the active conviction that despair won't have the last word. But on a day like this, when I come back to Washington, D.C., seven people shot in my community. I wonder if other senators had people shot like that in their neighborhood, whether that wouldn't be a lead national story. But I see the lives of low-income folks, the lives of black and brown folks. Uh, when people are shot and killed, the world seems to keep going on. And so I wonder about having the last word. What happens when the last word is no words, when it's silence? And I feel a sense of anger where we are in the United States of America, where we have not had direct conversations about a lot of the root causes of the inequities and the pain and the hurt manifested in economic disparities, manifested in health disparities, manifested in a, a, a criminal justice system that is indeed a form of new Jim Crow. And so we as a nation have not yet truly acknowledged and grappled with racism and white supremacy that has tainted this country's founding and continues to persist in those deep racial disparities and inequalities today. This is a very important hearing. It is historic. It is urgent. I look at communities like mine and you could literally see how communities were designed to be segregated, designed uh, based upon uh, enforcing institutional uh, racism and inequities. We know that racialized violence and terrorism has persisted from reconstruction well into the 1950s as my friend Brian Stevenson's National Memorial for Peace and Justice shows. We've seen bombings of churches. We've seen massacres at places as recently as the Emanuel AME Church just four years ago. The stain of slavery was not just inked in bloodshed, but in the overt state-sponsored policies that fueled white supremacy and racism and have disadvantaged African Americans economically for generations. Many of the bedrock policies, in fact, that ushered generations of Americans into the middle class were designed to exclude African Americans from the GI Bill to Social Security, intentionally designed to exclude blacks, as was school segregation, redlining, neighborhoods like the one in which I live, which were by design walled off and disinvested in. 
And while these policies of the past, uh, uh, their damage and their reality has endured across generations and have created and led to so much of the racial wealth gaps uh, in our country. Right now, we see cities like Boston, where the average white family has somewhere around $240,000 in wealth, and the average black family has about $8 in wealth. Health outcomes also vary widely by, by race. National black women are nearly four times as likely to die from pregnancy complications as white women, and in so many other areas. Our criminal justice system as well. No difference between blacks and whites for using drugs or selling drugs, but African Americans are about four times more likely to be arrested. These injustices do not just cause injustice for African Americans. It enforces a deep injustice in our nation as a whole. It is a cancer on the soul of our country and hurts the whole body politic, making us all less wealthy, making us all less just, making us all fall far short from being who we say we are when we swear an oath that this will be a nation of liberty and justice for all. I believe this is an urgent moment, and this bill, which I am now leading on the Senate side, is the beginning of an important process, not just to examine and study this history that has not been addressed, the silence that persists, but also to find practical ideas to address the enduring injustices in our nation. The characterizations of such an effort that I hear from others is wrong and undermines our collective purpose and common ground. This idea that it's just about writing a check from one American to another falls far short of the importance of this conversation and what I believe we will truly talk about. I say that I am brokenhearted and angry right now. Decades of living in a community where you see how deeply unfair this nation is still to so many people who struggle, who work hard, who do everything right but still find themselves disproportionately with lead in their water, super funds in their neighborhood, schools that don't serve their genius, healthcare uh, uh, disparities that still affect their body and their well-being. We as a nation must address these persistent inequalities or we will never fully achieve the strength and the possibility Hope is the active conviction that despair will not have the last word. I believe right now, today, we have a historic opportunity to break the silence, to speak to the ugly past, and talk constructively about how we will move this nation forward. As the old African saying says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. It's about time we find the common ground and the common purpose to deal with the ugly past and make sure that generations ahead do not have to continue to mark disparities, but can truly talk about it nation, whereas our ancestors spoke from the good book, where justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ooh, you love to see it. Love, you love to see it. You love to see it, brothers and sisters. You love to see it when we stand up strong and we give a voice to the problems that's going on in our community. You love to see it. Uh, also, I'm going to play a little bit of Tanahasi Coates. You know, he also had a powerful message in this hearing today on uh, slavery reparations, as well as did Danny Glover. But, you know, I'm just gonna get it. I'm just gonna play with uh, Tanahasi said. Yesterday, when asked about reparations, 
Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered a familiar reply. America should not be held liable for something that happened 150 years ago, since none of us currently alive are responsible. This rebuttal proffers a strange theory of governance, that American accounts are somehow bound by the lifetime of its generations. But well into this century, the United States was still paying out pensions to the heirs of Civil War soldiers. We honor treaties that date back some 200 years, despite no one being alive who signed those treaties. Many of us would love to be taxed for the things we are solely and individually responsible for. But we are American citizens, and thus bound to a collective enterprise that extends beyond our individual and personal reach. It would seem ridiculous to dispute invocations of the founders or the greatest generation on the basis of a lack of membership in either group. We recognize our lineage as a generational trust, as inheritance. And the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. It is impossible to imagine America without the inheritance of slavery. As historian Ed Baptist has written, enslavement, quote, shaped every crucial aspect of the economy and politics of America, so that by 1836, more than 600 million, or almost half of the economic activity in the United States derived directly or indirectly from the cotton produced by the million-odd slaves. By the time the enslaved were emancipated, they comprised the largest single asset in America, $3 billion and $1860 more than all the other assets in the country combined. The method of cultivating this asset was neither gentle cajoling nor persuasion, but torture, rape, and child trafficking. Enslavement reigned for 250 years on these shores. When it ended, this country could have extended its hallowed principles, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to all regardless of color. But America had other principles in mind. And so for a century after the Civil War, black people were subjected to a relentless campaign of terror, a campaign that extended well into the lifetime of Majority Leader McConnell. It is tempting to divorce this modern campaign of terror, of plunder, from enslavement. But the logic of enslavement, of white supremacy, respects no such borders. And the god of bondage was lustful and begat many heirs, coup d'etats and convict leasing, vagrancy laws and debt peonage, redlining and racist GI bills, poll taxes and state-sponsored state terrorism. We grant that Mr. McConnell was not alive for Appomattox, but he was alive for the electrocution of George Stinney. He was alive for the blinding of Isaac Woodward. He was alive to witness kleptocracy in his native Alabama and a regime premised on electoral theft. Majority Leader McConnell cited civil rights legislation yesterday, as well he should, because he was alive to witness the harassment, jailing, and betrayal of those responsible for that legislation by a government sworn to protect them. He was alive for the redlining of Chicago and the looting of black homeowners of some $4 billion. Victims of that plunder are very much alive today. I am sure they'd love a word with the majority leader. What they know, what this committee must know, is that while emancipation dead bolted the door against the bandits of America, Jim Crow wedged the windows wide open. 
And that is the thing about Senator McConnell's something. It was 150 years ago, and it was right now. The typical black family in this country has one-tenth the wealth of the typical white family. Black women die in childbirth at four times the rate of white women. And there is, of course, the shame of this land of the free, boasting the largest prison population on the planet, of which the descendants of the enslaved make up the largest share. The matter of reparations is one of making amends and direct redress, but it is also a question of citizenship. In H.R. 40, this body has a chance to both make good on its 2009 apology for enslavement and reject fair-weather patriotism. To say that a nation is both its credits and its debits. That if Thomas Jefferson matters, so does Sally Hemings. That if D-Day matters, so does Black Wall Street. That if Valley Forge matters, so does Fort Pillow. Because the question really is not whether we will be tied to the somethings of our past, but whether we are courageous enough to be tied to the whole of them. Thank you. Power. Power. That was black power right there. Right to Mitch McConnell's face. He said, after slavery, America still terrorized black people well into Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Right to his face. Let him know. You know what's going on here. Stop playing stupid. Stop acting like you wasn't on these picket lines saying no niggers over here. I mean, it's showing all everything you do and everything you say. It shows all over the place. You know what I'm saying? I don't need somebody to tell me to my face, hey, I'm a racist, for me to know that they're racist. When you try and stand in the way of black people trying to heal themselves when you stand in the way of us trying to make a better life for ourselves and then you try to give us bullshit to dismiss it saying hey hey niggas you got a president I mean we shouldn't have gave you that That's it just seems like all of these things you really think in your mind is justice served for us it's not dude it's not bro it's not and if you was in the streets today. If he was in the streets today, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if he grew up, I grew up around this dude, I we'd whoop his ass every goddamn day of the week. I'm telling you that right now. Punch that son of a bitch in the face, like Donald Trump say. You know what I'm saying? He would have got his ass whooped too if he grew up in the hood. That's how you know they don't have no connection to the issues that's going on in the black community. And like I said before, that is what this country is all about. And what day in America besides today would it be more prevalent June 19th Juneteenth that America don't give a fuck about us on the day that the last slaves the last of the slaves were finally free we had a hearing on reparations and we still Corey brought up so many different points about all of the tyranny and chaos that continue to ensue even after slavery and things that are still going on to this day and how these things need to at least be analyzed before we can even start to fix them 
and they just Republicans are just slashing it down. And everybody, and you know, everybody that wants to be politically correct want to call people liberals and this, that, and the third, and uh, um, you know, like save that shit, bro. Like knock it the fuck off, bro. Because really, be honest with you, of a of a Democrat is a liberal. Then a Republican is a racist. Period. Point blank. So you want to la- you want to start labeling things here? You're fighting a losing battle. You know, I got some friends I play basketball with at the park. You know, uh, a lot of co- Europeans. You know, we ain't gonna. I'm not gonna say exactly what countries they from. You know what I'm saying? Let's just say that they Anglo. They come from the European persuasion of the world you know some of them are families of they are descendants of the immigrants from those european countries and whatnot so but they live in a pretty affluent neighborhood and they haven't they haven't had to encounter the issues that i've had to and a lot of other friends that i grew up with had to encounter as well as our families you know so they're sensitive they're not really sensitive to that issue at all you know what I'm saying? Because it never impacted them in the ways that it impacted us. And they could give you a million bullshits uh, of reasons why. Oh, no, no, no. People try to connect to like try to pretend like they connect. They don't really connect. to. Just be real, bro. You don't give a fuck because it never impacted you or your family. Just be real about things. You know what I'm saying? That's what people have a lot of problems with. You feel me? And this is why we kind of got this culture now today where it's kind of politically correct, but in the same sense, it's dismissive to the true issues and especially black issues. You know, isn't it funny that in the same and my, I'm, I'm gonna play a little a little soundbite for my friend Rashad. We had a, a we was gonna post this episode on YouTube and um, whatnot, but uh, something went wrong with the video audio video quality. So I just got the audio from it. And uh, he made up an interesting point. I'm going to play it right now for you. You know, if I had it to help them and stuff like that, I would be the guy to help them. See, Joe, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm uh, cut you off a little thing right quick. Yeah. Because I was just thinking about a lot of stuff basically this month. Specifically, mm-hmm. this month. <clears throat> now I went to the library last week, Monday. No, Wednesday. I went to the library, and mm-hmm. um, me and my girl was out there. And when I walked in the library, I seen kids everywhere. But what caught my eye, my attention was there was this platform, right? Mm-hmm. And it said on this fucking platform. June is Pride Month. Hmm. Hmm. Now, 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 see, uh, don't get it twisted, family. So I'm saying, I'm going to be pro-black. I'm going to be a, a, anything you want to call me, but I would not disrespect a person. You like what you like and love what you want to love. But this is getting out of hand. This gay movement is an epidemic. Dum, dum, Okay, it's become epidemic. You're going to tell me we're going to put in the library for the kids. June is Pride Month. Why? Why does it got to be? What library this was? Hollywood Library. 
Hollywood, you mean like Forest? No, right Kyle Francis? No. Hollywood Library, right in your oh. Shit. It's crazy. And and then when he was talking about Juneteenth, how 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 so No, because we already settled for Black History Month in February. So it's like, you know, of course, you know, that's what's gonna happen in June. You feel me? Even though we don't know the his the the historical significance of the month June <laughs> to the black community, you know. That's got, I, I didn't really correlate those two. I didn't really I didn't really think about that. They got Pride Month in June. Yeah. And Juneteenth is in June. June. And that has more historical significance to the black community than anything. But now they trying to wash that out. Hey. To <laughs> Ain't that funny? In the same month as Juneteenth is Pride Month. That's kind of weird, don't you think? If anything, I would think that it would make more sense to have Black History Month in this month because we have a historic day like that and instead of having it in uh, February. You know what I'm saying? Really, it shouldn't be a Black History Month. Black History should be taught year-round. This should be something that we know. This is something that we're missing. You know, we don't have that connection to our ancestors in which I alluded to in that very same video as well, you know, where is it? You know, this is one of the reasons why we lost. This is one of the reasons why, you know, we we have billionaires and trillionaires, but we shouldn't have to count on them to uh, make amends or make right the things that's going on in our community. We shouldn't have to count on a Jay-Z. We shouldn't have to count on a Nipsey Hussle to make our community rise up from the ashes of slavery and segregation. We shouldn't have to count on these guys because it's an awful lot to put on these men's shoulders to do this for us and save us when we as people should be forming together to save each other. We as black people should be forming together to help save each other. You know what I'm saying? Like Tulsa, Oklahoma, for instance, you know, Black Wall Street, that was a beautiful place before America bombed it. It was a beautiful place. It was where black people were prospering. We were successful. Why aren't we trying to recreate that? We know we it, it's too much information. It's too much technology at our fingertips as a community for us to still be suffering from the effects of these things in the ways that we are, you know. It's all good and fine and dandy. Yeah, let's fight for reparations. But at the same time, let's do the best with what we have right now. That's my whole thing. Let's try to do the best we have with what we have right now. And also take up that good fight to get what's supposed to be, supposed to be you know, uh, owed to us. Because cotton was king, as they said in the hearing today. Cotton was king back in those times of the early stages of America. And black people, Africans, and the descendants of African slaves, like my great-great-grandmother and great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, I'm sure, were in these fields building the wealth of this country. 
So don't give me no bullshit about why you can't compensate the descendants of these people. I'm pretty sure they had dreams of their great, great grandchildren down the line having a better life for them, you know, and they were just enduring whatever the country made them endure because they did. Some people didn't see no light through the end of the tunnel. Some some slaves didn't see hope for another day. All that they saw, all they could understand was survival. That's all they could understand. That's what's in the back of their mind. You know, survival. When somebody terrorizes you in the ways that they terrorize you, when they rape your father in front of you, uh, uh, when they rape your mother in front of you, when they whip them, and this is so much, it's so much. I don't even like to get into it because it made me sick in my stomach thinking about all of the things that were done to our community, you know, and our ancestors especially. Uh, fuck what our community is going through now But our ancestors especially what they went through You know it's sick That America is still Acts like Like get over it like nothing happened Like if I go to your house right now And I stick Your remote that you got in your hand Up your 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 Wife ass or your daughter ass You gonna feel a way about that I'm pretty sure you might be married You might wanna whoop my ass or kill me or call the police you know what I'm saying? But back in those days, they got away with it like everything was fine and dandy. You know, and now they're pretending like you are, like, they have no, we, they're the people that are responsible for that are not alive. Yes, but you are. You're still responsible for the fuck shit they're going on today, and you're alive. So stop giving me this bullshit, man. Yeah, but coming up on our next uh, segment of the show we're going to talk more about uh, health, economic wealth and focusing on the reality that we have today this is the Crash Culture Podcast show alright back with the Crash Culture Podcast show and um, yeah we, we're going to try to pivot away from that, you know, uh, whole idea and whole topic of slavery and of segregation and of Amendment 13, you know, which is basically telling uh, the world or America that um, as long as you don't commit a crime, you're a free man. You commit a crime, you're a slave again. In which we all know, back in them times, they would make up little petty crimes and little bullshit like, oh, you out at a certain time, you're not supposed to be out, you're going to jail. That's time to make you a slave back again. You know, I'm gonna get myself riled up again with this. You know, it's so much. It is so much things that we're gonna cover in later episodes dealing with these topics because these are the topics that I created Crash Culture for. This is why I created this podcast show. You know, basically it's a crash course on everything dealing with the culture of mainly America, but of the world. You know what I'm saying? And that can include sports, music, science, technology. You know, it's a long list of everything that creates a culture 
You know what I'm saying? And here on the Crash Culture Podcast show, we try to cover all of these things. But now, pivoting to focusing about the current reality and how can black people now overcome even more. You know what I'm saying? Or rise to the top of this mountain like a phoenix. You know, scientifically, it's been proven that uh, white America is not reproducing fast enough in that black and brown people may be the majority in the next 10 to 15 years. All right. Scientifically. Okay. So think to yourself, if you're a white, a powerful white old man and you know that one day, well, currently you're going extinct. So you're going to want to do everything you can do to hang on to this power. And pretty much, uh, I feel like they might do something even more drastic than this police brutality, than poisoning our food, than poisoning the water in Flint, than all of the, the stuff that they do, like keeping us uh, economically oppressed. You know, it, it's, I feel like it could be even more things coming down the pipeline. You know, the, the, the mind of this, this country the mind of those who's in power in this country is pretty devious. You know, it's wicked. All of the stuff that they can come up with. You know what I'm saying? It's genius, but wicked. You feel me? Because in order to think that deeply, in order to create systems like they do, like to make black people hate each other like we don't even listen to each other like we don't even buy from each other unless it's uh, unless you already popping no nobody want to be on nothing when it first start everybody wants to join the winning team everybody want to say oh i know this guy oh i know this girl you know when they successful and this that and that's our culture and our community and we got to really fix that you know and it we, it got us all wanting to be entertainers and rappers and athletes. Like, all of this is all of the things that we want to do, you know, with our lives. Like, but when we were growing up as kids, I heard them tell me, you could be an astronaut. You could be a firefighter. You could be a police officer. You could be a, a mortician. You could be anything you want to be in the world. But the, the part that they don't tell you is, with the right amount of connections, of course you can It'll be a little bit easier that way. Coming out of high school, if you don't got that plan, if you ain't joining the military, if you ain't going to college, if that family member ain't got you a good job set up after you graduate high school, you're fucked. You're going to have to work for whatever the 7.25, whatever the minimum wage is at that time on a dead-end job trying to pay bills. And then everybody talk about Oh, I moved out on my own at this age, blah, 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 blah. But everybody don't talk about who gave you the opportunity to support yourself in order to do that. Everybody don't talk about that person or that specific incident in their life or because they don't want to, you know, crystallize in people's mind. This is what happened for me in order for this life to play out the way it did. And that's the reality of things. You know, we don't help each other find gainful employment. That's a big thing 
in our community. We, hey man, you can work that security job, man. They paying ten dollars an hour. Ten dollars an hour don't get you shit. So seven twenty-five definitely don't get you shit. But it's a start. Those are high school jobs. These are high school wages that we we they have now out here for us. The uh, the easiest job to get into nine times out of ten is going to be the least beneficial to you in the long run. It's going to take you forever to move up the ladder. And then when you move up the ladder, the, the your ceiling is going to be at like $15, $18 an hour. Like managers at McDonald's, $15, $18 an hour. You know, and that's going to be your ceiling. You feel me? And you want to make more than that. If you want to live your dreams and live the life that you want to live, try and start your own business too. If you go, that'd be cool. You can work for that 10. You can work for that 11. You can work for that 18, that $15 an hour. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to start your own business and make your own income, it's not going to be easy. It's, I'm doing it right now, my damn self. I've been doing this now since I graduated high school trying to create my own business. I didn't came up with so many failed designs, so many failed ideas, so many failed mock-ups. You know, and um, I had to say to myself, I got all the talent in the world. Just try and do it, you know? And you have to say to yourself, as an individual, especially black people, whatever you have interest in, I have the talent and the ability to do it and have the confidence to just try and do it, man. Just try and do it, you know? On the political end, right now, there aren't many laws or policies or programs in place that give us that upper leg or you know that that foot and that solid foot in the stand on so we could you know jump for the moon and reach for the stars you feel me so right now we got to kind of try and like i say focus on the here and now and trying to build each other up and build our economic base and help each other find opportunities that's our social responsibility in the black community. It's help one another. You know, it's a reason why in South Florida, almost every employer now is looking for somebody who's bilingual for all the good paying jobs because Hispanic people help one another. You know what I'm saying? Even Haitians, the Haitian community, they help one another. You know what I'm saying? Asians especially help one another. They open up restaurants in the hood. And we give them our money every day of the week without even thinking about it. Nail supplies, nail stores, you know what I'm saying? Hair supply stores, you know? Asians got the market cornered when it comes to the black community. That's what we spending our money at. And it's because they come up with a reasonable business model and they put in the work and they make sure they're available and they do good quality stuff. Like I said, I'm not shitting on nobody's business. I'm not shitting on no community that is doing their thing out there in the world. You know what I'm saying? Because we all human beings at the end of the day. We got to all eat. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? Got to create a better life. You know, we are where we are currently. 
I'm just saying to myself and I'm just saying to my community, the black community, why we always talk and never do. Why we always look at somebody else who already made it. Nipsey already made it and helped his family. All right. Jay-Z did it too. Y'all liking and sharing and supporting them with money as well as you should. But you got that homie right down the street that trying to get his uh, mechanical work done. You know what I'm saying? Went to school for it. That homie right down the street that got a, 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 a good quality, you know, energy drink he trying to sell. Or, you know, whatever, whatever. You feel me? And you won't pull out your wallet for them. That's what's crazy about our community. How many years after slavery and civil rights and we still with this bullshit? All right. I think I, I, I said a mouthful already. Like I said, we're going to have more in later segments. We're going to start uh, recording and filming and getting this stuff up on YouTube videos. I'm going to have people guest, you know, give me your comments, DM me, uh, Facebook, Bam Smith, um, YouTube channel, Crash Culture or Crash Culture TV. My Twitter is uh, the same, Bam Ben New, Ben No. Or Bambino, but it say you spell it like Bam Ben No, without the W. So um, yeah, man. Follow me there. Tweet me. Tell me your thoughts on it. Um, bring up some more topics that you feel like talking about in later segments, and uh, maybe if you're in the Florida area, maybe we can record an episode with you. And post it on uh, YouTube, IGTV, and um, you know, build a better culture. You know what I'm saying? Because another thing, I also see this culture crashing and burning. The black culture, I see it crashing and burning and failing every day to really get to the bottom of things and really build. A better world. We we come up, we rise from these ashes like a phoenix, and then we co- come right back crashing down. And it's taking a very long time for us to rise like the phoenix and not uh, fizzle out and burn and go back down again. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things that I love and I admire about our people is the resiliency. You know, we taking a million punches and we keep coming back, punching and swinging and trying to get in the fight. I love that about us. You know what I'm saying? And uh. That's why I'm, I have a lot of pride in my brothers and sisters, no matter what. You know, even if we may disagree, even though I may not like, you know, a lot of people in our community for the things they say, like Kanye West. You know, I used to love him at one point, but he's like a brother. He's like a, a brother or a sister that you may have. You'd be like, man, I don't like your ass. You'd be saying some stupid shit. You feel me? So... You know, still at the end of the day, he's a brother. 
I'm pretty sure he grew up in the same type of environments as I did. Um, last thing I'm going to focus on is our health in the black community. Um, like I said earlier, man, it's so many things. And Flint water, and Flint, their water has so much lead in it. Children is getting sick over there. In other states, you know, we have a, a fast food restaurant on every corner for us to just get that quick bite to eat. You know, and they have so much steroids and chemicals that they put in this food. And that's what's giving us high blood pressure, diabetes, hypertension at a young age and, and other things. You know what I'm saying? High cholesterol and whatnot. You know, America as a whole is one of the most obese nations on the face of the earth. But the black community in general, we are suffering from a lot of different health problems. And, you know, it doesn't help to add all these venereal diseases into the equation, you know, like AIDS and whatnot, you know, the ratios in our population of us catching something is going to be significantly off because we have a significantly lower population, you know, than most in America. You know, I think we're like, now we're third in, in population and in populace. So, you know, um, we need to focus on building our power up. Our power is in numbers. You got to understand that. You know what I'm saying? Our power is in numbers. If the majority of the black community had their head on straight and was about um, uh, knowing themselves, building their community, making the world a better place currently for them and their children and other uh, black people's children, you know, I think we'll be a lot further along, you know, but it all starts, it all starts with self-love, you know what I'm saying? And every day on the TV, you wake up, I'm pretty sure 90% of the programs that you're going to watch is going to have somebody on it that don't look like you. I'm pretty sure 90% of the movies you're going to watch is going to have somebody that don't look like you. And I'm pretty sure 90% of our jobs that we're going to go on, we're going to answer to a boss that doesn't look like us. So that's why it's more important for us to have this self-love and help each other and focus on our health and teach that to the younger generation we're not doing this just for us we're doing this for the children in our respective communities to make a better place for them i know i got a lot of nieces and nephews you know and i plan on having children myself and building a better world for them is what it's really all about at the end of the day because you know we were giving it fucked up and that's the reality of the situation and the only way to fix it is we have to take the responsibility into our hands we have like i said we have the technology we have the tools we can rebuild it bigger better and, and, and stronger you know let's just try and do it this has been another episode of the crash culture podcast show well not just another episode but the special edition juneteenth episode of the podcast show crash culture podcast show you know uh you know, you can find me on all my platforms, Instagram, 
Facebook, but I mostly be on Facebook a lot. You can find me from Facebook and you'll find me through all the other ones from there. Uh, Facebook, Bam Smith, and you'll see me, you know? <laughs>